Welcome back to Real Talk Torah, courtesy of the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg. I'm Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, and you've just entered the database. Now, for today's issue, I want to talk about a topic that was not previously scheduled or advertised on the database WhatsApp group, but it is something that I want to speak about because it was a very moving experience for me and for many other people, and that is the Siyom HaShas. It was brought to my attention that this past Shabbos, which was Dalad Teves, 4th of Teves, so it is exactly one year removed on the Hebrew-Jewish calendar from the Siyom HaShas, I believe the 13th Siyom HaShas, and um, I had the schus of being there, and the truth is, it wasn't originally my plan to be there, but very last minute, the day of, or the night before, I don't even remember, but I got a hold of a ticket, and it was something that I wish, in retrospect, I had planned to be there, because the thought that I might not have been there, and that I might not have been able to experience the CMHS at MetLife Stadium. Um, it's, it's something, it was a life experience that I feel like I don't know what I would be today without that life experience. And so I thought it was appropriate to share something on the Siyom HaShas. Now, there are a lot of thoughts I have on the Siyom HaShas, and I can't really um, isolate it into just one thought. So there'll be some scattered thoughts about the Siyom HaShas. It's interesting that um, the Siyam Hashas, I didn't even remember this, um, but I'm seeing it was Wednesday, January 1st, 2020. So it was New Year's Day on the secular calendar. Now, it was a great start to quote-unquote a new year, certainly for many people who began Dafiomi that day, but um, you know that was something that I, that I barely even remembered. Now... That's. I think it's a good thing. I think for for people who got to experience the Siyam Hashas in person, so it was actually it, it was an experience that that uh, that, out, that outshadowed um, or outshined secular New Years, and you know most most Jewish things should outshine secular New Years, but the the Hischadshos of January first, twenty twenty, was. The beginning of of recommitment and rededication to to Talmud Torah, even if you didn't do Daf Yomi, there are people who are doing a lot of different programs for learning, whether it's Daf Shvua or Amud Yomi or Amud Vichazara. There are there there are so many beautiful ways to involve yourself in in daily Talmud Torah. There you know there's there's really no limit. Um, but it's just it's just interesting that that was uh, it was that that was on New Year's. Now um, the truth the truth is I should have remembered because one experience about the the Siomashas last year that anybody who was there remembers was that it was absolutely freezing. You know, MetLife Stadium we were outdoors, and everyone was there. You know, wrapped up in coats and scarves. I had a scarf on anyway. Um, so there are a lot of you know obviously a lot of black hats, but um, under the black hats earmuffs. And 
gloves and big coats and yeah you know it may, um, right, right now as I think about how cold it was I'm thankful that the next Siomashas which is going to be in the year 2027 it's going to be in June so that's nice now um, where, wherever that is you know my hope is that it's going to be in Yerushalayim that's where Ezra and the next Siomashas will be for all of Klai Israel. But that there's something actually related to that that I wanted to get back to, which was, which to me was one of the most moving parts of the Siyam Hashas. And had to do with the Siyumim Hashas, or the, the celebratory events, the festivities that were taking place all over the world. And I'll come back to that in a little bit. But in the meantime, I want to talk about one particular thing that a lot of people spoke about was a big factor of the Siyam Hashas if he were there with the hundreds of thousands of people in the stadium. So there's something that people talk about, the awe and inspiration of the communal Yeheshmei Rabba Mivarach, whether in the Kaddish of the actual Siyam or in the Kaddish of the Mariv that takes place after the Siyam. It's something that's particularly incredible. It's something that has been reported by staff members at the event that, well, I don't know if they specifically spoke about the Yeheshmei Rabba, but the unison in which everyone answers and the, the, cra- the, the, the crowd together, the loud, booming Yeheshmei Rabba, that, that it's, a, it's, a, it's a sound to hear, it's a, it's a sight to see, it's an experience to be experienced. But honestly, there was something that I thought was even more moving and more inspiring than the Yeheshmei Rabbah. And it was actually the complete and utter silence of the Shemona Esrei during Mariv. I feel like you could have heard a pin drop in the stadium and that, that, that to me was the, the, the most astounding part of the, I guess you could say, the ritualistic aspects of the seum. And it's something that, you know, you, you, you think that in a place where there are more people, it will be much harder to get a silent Shemona Esrei when you have, you know, a minion of 10 people or 20 people, you're, you're, you're more likely to have silence in your Shemona Esrei. But this was lo- nothing like I've ever experienced before. And I think there's something to be said about what the power of a community is. When everyone is there knowing what they are there for, right? Well, everyone's there with their, with their minds set to we are davening right now. And there's, and there's no one there who's going to dare make a peep. Because again, with everyone there putting their energy into it, all their focus into it, 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 would, it would be criminal to, to let the air out of that incredible experience because you had to whisper something to someone else, you had to make a noise. And that's something really incredible to learn from. If there's one thing we could learn from at the Siyam Hashas, it's the power of community. I'm not saying that everybody has to take on Dafyomi. You know, Dafyomi itself is a, is a sort of controversial topic. 
um, when it comes to people learning Torah, because there are many people who believe that it's not the ideal, it's not the lechatchila kind of learning, and there are ways about how to do it. You know, um, you know one, one thing that I spoke about with my own rabbi, Rav Yonas and Sachs, about taking on Zafiomi. So Rav Yonas and Sachs, anyone who knows um, his grasp, whether it's on the depth or on the breadth of Torah, um, he has it. And he, he, can, he can tell you it all by, by marmokom, by, by every source. And so he's very big on, on retention. And so that's why I took on Dafyomi with Zichru, which we had an interview with Rebbe Goldar, who was gracious enough to join us on Real Talk Torah for, for a talk about Zichru, as Zichru is designed to help you retain aspects of Dafyomi, the things that you learn on the Daf. You can go back and listen to that Real Talk Torah. But um, it's, it doesn't have to be Dafyomi. But the point is, one strength of Dafyomi is that it has a community that's learning it. And if you are going to a Dafyomi Shir or you're in a Dafyomi WhatsApp group, um, whether it's a and whether it's a Zoom Dafyomi Shir or maybe it's in person Dafyomi, whatever it is, but the power of community is something that keeps you bound to it. And certainly for Zichru, Zichru and their Zichru is often interactive. Rabbi Goldhar is very approachable if you want to contact him on WhatsApp. So you can get you can get all the information by just you know, going to zichr.com and you can you can even get uh, messages straight from him and you can have a correspondence with him. And the very the very idea that there's so many, you know, hundreds of thousands of people around the world doing zichru, so it's incredible because since you're all in it together, you all know what's what what you're in it for, so you don't want to let the air out of it. And the, the complete silence of the Shemona Estrei was something that I was really blown away by, much more so than the Yeheshmei Rabbah, honestly. I, I went in expecting the booming Yeheshmei Rabbah, and, I, and you know, it was there, but the, the, the silent Shemona Estrei was something that was even more incredible of a Kiddush Hashem to me. And uh, speaking about the Kiddush Hashem, so that was another big story coming out of the Siyam HaShas. You know, with all the hundreds of thousands of people who are there, you know, it's that's something we can't even imagine now due to COVID-19, but it wasn't, it was only a year ago that there were so many people there, and one of the big stories that came out was from the staffers who are just itching and looking forward to the next Siam Hashas, they want to come back and, and they, they all, you know, the staffers of the MetLife Stadium, they want to come back and do this particular event, because they were they they were blown away by, of all the people who were there, you know, the, the, they couldn't even count the number of people that said thank you, that were polite, that that greeted them. You know, there's a there's a, a picture that went around of Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky, um, you know, um, greeting the the security guards there, and it's it was it's incredible. Uh, um, you know, the, the amount of people who were there. In Baruch Hashem, um, I you know I got to be there with my father, as um, I posted in the picture there. Um, but you know, my, and a couple of my brothers were there. Um, a number of my rebbeim were there. Um, Rabbi, Rabbi Rosner, um, who um, Baruch Hashem, he happened to be um, in, in in America at the time of the you know the week of the Siyam Shas because he, he lives in Beit Shemesh, but he happened to be there, and I was able to chop him for my son's pidyon ben. So yeah, the the Siyam Shas was. Um, um, it was, I guess it was 31 days after uh, my son was born because it was the day after my son's Pidyon Ben that we had the uh, Siyam HaShas 
And, um, you know, there are so many people there. And again, the big story of, of how many people, you know, made a Kiddush Hashem for the staff there. That, that, that's something that you think about it, um, you know, in terms of what other events take place there. And there has to be, you know, even though it's the, there are people that don't think it's politically correct, but there is something to be said about the Shaloa Saningoy aspect of, or at, at the very least, Mikyam Yisrael, if you want to put it in more positive terms. But again, when you think about the contrast, the, the contrast is important because if you think about the events that are normally taking place there and the behavior by people that's normally taking place there, um, which, again, for, you know, for, for the world at large, that's considered normal. And we spoke about this in, um, in uh, the Lashon Naki Real Talk Torah about um, how, you know, we, we, it's not just about um, not cursing and swearing or talking inappropriately, but it's about our pristine, elevated level, right? That Mikyam uh, Chayisrael means that it's not just that, you know, for, for the rest of the world, it's considered normal. It's not a Chil Hashem because for them it's acceptable. No, that's absolutely not true. Chilul Hashem, for example, means that there is a hollowness. Um, it's, it's hollow where it should be hollow, I guess. You know, it should be holy. Right? The opposite of, of, of holy or, or a hollow is hollow. Right? Um, and and the, the idea meaning to be that, that it's the lack of elevation that's the Chilul Hashem. So in this particular case, what's completely normal and acceptable to the outside world, which might not even be looked down upon, you know, for us, there's something different. So at the very least, to have the feeling of Ashrenim Atav Chalkenu, that, that that was something that, that you had to feel if you were at the Siamashas and if you got to see what the responses were um, to people being there. Now, just to, um, to close out this particular session, there was there's one thing that I wanted to... Um, talk about in terms of the parts of the Siamashas that really, really got to me in terms of my emotions. Now, just to, just to preface, um, I'm not going to say that I'm not an emotional person. I believe I am an emotional person. I believe that um, my emotions are more often than not on my sleeve, and that's something that, you know, in the appropriate time, I try to make sure that they're, you know, that they're not, you know, in a case where it's not, it's not appropriate to broadcast certain emotions, I try to be more careful about it. But all of that said, I don't usually cry over things. It's, um, you know, in some, sometimes I feel bad about that. Sometimes uh, it's just matter of fact. You know, um, you know like I, I'll be honest, you know, I don't necessarily shed a tear every Tisha B'Av. It happens to be this past Tisha B'Av, I did shed a tear. Um, you, know, you know, if someone Chashon passes away, so that might get me. Um, but I, I don't usually cry over things. Um, you know, I don't usually cry during Yamam Narayim Davening, and I would, you know, I would like to. Certain parshios, when you read, um, we'll, we'll see if Parshas Vayigash, if, if it gets me this year. You know, we have, we have till Shabbos. Um, but things that make a lot of people cry, you know, they, they, they don't usually get to me. Um, and, I, you know, the certain things, I would like to be able to channel that emotion. But there were two things that got me to shed a tear at the Siamashas. And one of those things was 
during you know a- after the Siam Ashas, so meaning after the actual Siam, during still during the Siam Ashas celebration event in the stadium, but after the actual Siam. So the Siam was made, and there was a lot of singing and dancing um, in the stadium. And that was beautiful, and it was great, and it was such an amazing time, and you know, to to be arm in arm uh, with my father at the Sia Mashas at that particular point was was something really beautiful for me. But after that, there was this incredible medley of animamin, which started from the classical Hasidish uh, Holocaust um, animamin. Yeah, it goes animamin, 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 bemunashelema. So they have that, and it w- it started from that animamin, and it went into the um, the animamin bemunashelema. So the the afapishayes mameyahim kozechakelo, and then that and you know Baruch Levine was um, was one of the um, incredible um, musicians who was there, incredible singers, and he so he was you know the one leading the other animamim. Um, and you could see there's a whole choir doing it. Um, you can actually find it on YouTube. But the problem is the version on YouTube does, um, you know, it really does not justify, you, you don't get the full picture unless you were actually there, but you'll get a semblance of what it was like. And there, there's something um, something about the Tamimos of, of Baruch Levine in particular. Um, uh, over the years, I've grown really fond of, of him as a Jewish singer because um, there, there's something, again, that there's very pure and lishma about the the music that comes out of Baruch Levine. I'm not even talking about the the voice. I'm not talking about the skills at singing, um, which um, Baruch Hashem, you know, he's um, he, he's he's an incredible talent. Um, but whether or not he's your flavor, there are different flavors in Jewish music. But there's something that you have to appreciate about the tamimus and about the sincerity of Baruch Levine. But it wasn't just Baruch Levine. The, that was part of it. Um, but it was just, you know, it, you know, during that time, and I was singing along with him, but you see on Baruch Levine's face, the, it, it was a tefillah. It was not just a song. It was not just something that, you know, it's appropriate to sing on Imamin now. You actually felt like Mashiach might just come very soon. And I, I had chills, and it wasn't just because it was freezing, but I had chills during Imamin. And honestly, like, at, the, at that point, I, I, I was bawling. And that, that was really towards the end. But, you know, I want to backtrack a little bit because the other thing that really, um, that really brought tears to my eyes was when during the actual singing and dancing, right after the seum, so they showed this, um, this, uh, on, the, on the big screen, so they, uh, they were streaming all the other places where seum hashas was taking place because, right, even though the main one was in MetLife Stadium, but there were other ones taking place. For example, the Barclay Center in Brooklyn. So there, there was one there. There was one in Chicago. And in different places throughout the world, they were showing different siyumim. And then there was one particular um, flash across the screen of one of those streaming siyumim that, that just got me. And I remember I was pointing, it, um, I was, I was pointing, for, pointing it out to my father who was standing right next to me. 
And there was a Siyam Hashas that was being celebrated by the Chayalim, the soldiers of Tzahal. And you see them, you know, in their, you know, in, in their army garb and you know, in, in, their, in their camo. And you see them singing and dancing, celebrating Torah, celebrating the completion of Shas. And I, you know, I, I point, I said, I said, I, you know, I pointed to my, um, I was again, I was talking to my father, and I said, "Look, like the, the, it's Tzahal. And a tear came to both of our eyes when we saw that, because, like, imagine, you know, what 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 they have on their minds. Imagine what you know, all the things that they are involved in. Constantly, you know, going through the emotions of the Hishtadlis to protect Klal Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. And there they are being able to celebrate with Klal Yisrael, the celebration of Torah. You know, you, you think, you know, who really deserves to celebrate Torah with Klal Yisrael? And you have on the days at the Siyam Hashas, you have all the Magide Shir, you have all the honored um, Rabbanim uh, who, are, who are there. And of course... They, they, um, you know, they, they are the heroes of the Siamashas, but you know, the, there's also the, you know, the other, the other side, the the heroes of Klal and Sahal, who are Moser Nefesh every single day, and for the people who get to learn Torah in Eretz Yisrael, you know, the the, the credit that that goes to these people. And they 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 are not only just part of Klal Yisrael, but they they have a special chelik, a, a kvius. Um, the, the, you know, each one of them, the 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 holiness that that they enable to be. There's something that was very moving to see that they that you know they had the schos to partake in the the siyamashas as well. And it's that paired with the ani mamin. That makes me so strong in the belief that Mashiach is coming very soon, that we'll be able to gather together like like Klal was able to at the Siyam Hashas. But this time it'll be all of us. This time it'll be in Yerushalayim. This time it will be in a circumstance where Tzahal does not have to put their lives on the line every single day. And it'll be where all, again, all of Klal together celebrating Torah, celebrating the relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and it's something that we should, you know, we should each be able to draw strength from, you know, even now, a year after, and going forward. The next Siyam HaShas, Bezrat HaShem, we should all be in Yerushalayim together. It should, it should be, you know, with, with the, the third base HaMikdash, B'mher B'yaminu. Really, um, just, just everything good to Klal Yisrael. In, in this in this reflection and these feelings about the Siyam Hashas, the, the next time should be Mamash with the Geula. Anyway, that's all the time we have left for this Real Talk Torah. In the meantime, keep it real, keep talking, and most importantly, keep the Torah.